The day, Pancake Tuesday. The time, 6.03pm. The podcast, oh well that still flanks this as a solo. I am your host, Yan Balls, and I'm here to say that this podcast is going to have a change in format. Because for Lent this year, I'm going off being a ragey wagey. So, there will be no more screaming, because apparently I, I, I seemed like a very, a very angry wee man last podcast. Maybe it's because it was. But as soon as Lent starts, that's all I am. No more screaming over Call of Duty Warzone. No more being an angry wee man when a bet doesn't hit. No more wanting to punch a fucking wall every time the crypto markets aren't moving the way I like. I'm just going to be a nice chilled out bloke. Which means we might, this podcast might feature a couple of very angry celebrity guests in the upcoming 40 days and 40 nights. But, so in the last rage-filled episode of Flying Scissors Solo, well, I'm going to go over where the Super Bowl went wrong. I can't imagine I do that with a lot of grace and decorum. I'm going to go over Manchester United once again, blundering at the weekend. And Luis Del Guadici finally catches these bars. Oh, I've been biding my time. Been waiting for Lucy Lenz to post the photos. Never happening. So you're catching these bars today. Today. Okay. First, let's get into where the Super Bowl went wrong. Yeah, went wrong in a lot of places, folks. Went wrong in a lot of... A lot of places. So much damn money. So much freaking money. It was looking a lot worse. It was looking a lot worse until... uh, I got both rushing overs. Thankfully that happened. Otherwise I was in the fucking toilet. Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. Like... Rob Gronkowski. My least... The dustiest athlete in pro sports. The man who I... Was going to put the house on every receiving under he had this year. Thankfully, I didn't take us under in the Super Bowl because I would be bankrupt. Two TDs, 67 yards. On just complete fucking ass hattery. Did he catch a ball where he was contested within three yards? I don't think so. Then the Tampa Bay pass rush was fairly lethal. Putting... Putting as much faith in the Chiefs as I did, knowing how much I value line play, not smart. We all know sacks are a QB stat, but, like, come on. Patrick Holmes faced the most pressure of any QB in the Super Bowl era. It's not a great look. It's really not a great look. But, you know... These things happen, you know. You lose some money sometimes on the better team losing. Oh, man. So many pivotal plays. And the refs. God damn it. Kelsey on third down. The Hill TD. Darrell Williams dropping what would have been the greatest TD in Super Bowl history. Uh, it was a bad, bad night. One saving grace, though. The weekend's halftime show was magnificent. God, that guy is a genius. And I think I'll be seeing him in the SSA Arena at a date in 2021. Sorry, a date in 2022. 
I have no idea what the date is. I just know I'll be there. I did sleep in when the tickets were released and kind of shit my pants a wee bit. But thankfully, bag secured. We're going to the weekend. Everything's going to be great. It's going to make me feel a lot better for losing that much money. I'm trying to even remember what I had you on. Anthony Sherman anytime TD. That might have been a blunder. But he was, I got him a 25 to 1. And he'd scored three TDs in the year. In 16 games. You know, I'm taking that every time. I'm taking that value every time. Even if you told me the outcome of the game, I'd still I'd still put money on Anthony Sherman anytime. I feel like this is just going to be me going, yeah, the process was right. For example, AB's receiving over. AB torched his man on every fucking route of the game. Even Brady's late throwaway that was legitimately just uh, a long ball into single coverage, which is the safest in the game. Like it was essentially nothing more than a throwaway. AB torched his man on that route. AB was electric. And if they had ever needed to throw. He would have easily hit his receiving over. Somehow he instead. As a dynamic deep threat. Went. I can't remember the stat, the stat line off top. I think it was 5 catches for 24 in a TD. Makes me sick. Makes me fucking sick. Rob Gronkowski had more yards per cast than Antonio Brown. Makes me physically ill. We're, we're chalking that up as a win too. Tyreek Hill. Tyreek, Tyreek, Tyreek Hill. Mm, it was a bad bet. It was a bad bet. Still should have hit. Should have caught a TD. Let it hit him in the face mask. But, you know, you, you, you can't really get angry about these things. You know, it wasn't a great bet. And they were zoning them out of the game. But I thought, you know, in the second half, we got a heap of time. we got a heap of time. They're going to be playing from behind, passing constantly. Travis Kelsey got his receiving over, despite being very, very dusty on the night. No Tariq, though. No Tariq. Instead, he got clowned by Antoine Winfield. A man who played him in single coverage zero times. Like, all the fucking, all the DBs clowning Tariq. You played him in single coverage exactly zero times. The last time you tried to play him in single coverage, it was with Carton Davis, and he was on the phone on the sideline calling you help from the National Guard. Uh, such is life. You can't win them all. Demarcus Robinson. His over was 13.5. Got 11 yards. Also, was overthrown in a touchdown. A bit of a mixture of a, a drop and an overthrow. Because he... Ball hit hands, but ultimately it wasn't a great throw by Mahomes. <sighs> what could have been, eh? Thankfully, I did say pre-podcast that I have one glorious bet of the Bucks to win the Super Bowl. City to win the Champions League. United to win the Europa and France to win the Euros. That's going to make me £2,200. And when it does. I'm going to buy a big ice cream cone. And have a great great time. But for now. We're we're stuck in a, a very bad spot. An, an awful night of bets. Thankfully. Thank fuck those Russian overs hit. Or else I was in the absolute fridge. 
Not good. Not. I even blundered the fucking Paddy Power free accumulator. Like you had a free bet builder on Paddy Power that paid out if the Chiefs won. Like you got money back as a free bet if the Chiefs won. I put the Chiefs to win in that bet builder. That's how confident I was. And overall, very bad now. I just I see Eric Fisher in my dreams. I see Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz and they haunt my dreams. Knowing that Tom Brady is considered the GOAT. Just for his winning mentality, he did fuck all again. Tom Brady now has two of the three times in Super Bowl history where a defence has held uh, the opposition to zero touchdowns. Both in the Rams Super Bowl and this Super Bowl. But he'll get called the GOAT. He'll get called the GOAT. Tom Brady, as usual, did very little. He did precious little. Honestly, after watching the game twice, the second time was even more painful than the first. If I was to give it to someone apart from the referees, I would probably give the Super Bowl MVP to Levante David, who was absolutely astonishing. He and Devin White were everywhere and nowhere at the same time. They were fucking... They were all over the place. They were essentially like good versions of Tyron Matthew. Who even though the ball follows him everywhere. It's usually because they're targeting him. Because he's fucking ass. I don't know how Devin White grades so badly. Because every time I watch the kid he's absolutely electric. I think he and David should probably be the Bucks' number one free agent priority. I don't think they need Chris Godwin. I think Chris Godwin was painfully underused this year. Uh, especially for the man who Lasik Jameis linked up so well with last year. It was a bit annoying to see him so underutilised. Especially when he was on my fantasy team. But, you know, in a new offence. There's a lot of great free agent receivers. But I think Chris Goldman might be the pick of the bunch. I, I'm a big Allen Robinson guy. But I think... Chris Goldwyn might be the the creme de la creme in the in the free agent receiver market. So I look forward to seeing where he lands. I look forward to seeing where everyone lands. It's going to be a very interesting uh, NFL offseason. We've already seen Matt Stafford get moved. Uh, we've already seen Deshaun Watson officially request his trade. It's going to be a very, very interesting time. So, you know... I'm not a gambling man as such, but there's already money on the Chiefs to win it all next year. As long as Pat Mahomes lives and breathes, that team has a fighting chance. The guy's the best QB I've ever seen play the game, and it honestly isn't that close. Other notable challengers next year, the Bills will be back. They kind of shit the bed. Let's not forget, Andy Reid shit the bed with his play call. Very cowardly kicks in there. When you have the greatest QB in the league. But such is life. Bills did the same thing. Packers, I don't think I don't think their kick was as cowardly as everyone makes it out to be. It actually it didn't change the win percentage that much. But they're gonna be coming back with the MVP. As much as I think he's still He's still got something to prove next year. 
I can't believe Brady won it. He got outplayed in three of the games. One of them by fucking Taylor Heineke. Oh man. Makes me physically sick. Tom Brady. He's... People are right. He is MJ. He is the MJ of the NFL. Because he just keeps locking into rings. Do you Yes, he's had elite QB seasons. But they aren't the seasons he wins Super Bowls. Like, if, if they go unbeaten in 2007, that's infinitely more impressive than the Seahawks ring or the Rams ring or the fucking Chiefs ring. Like, if they go unbeaten, if they beat that Eli Manning side, it's just so much more impressive than beating significantly better teams on luck. We all know how I feel about the Atlanta ring. I I thought that's one of the most enjoyable games of American football I've ever watched. And I'm honestly really sorry people keep having to tune in, because, like, if there's one NFL game you're going to watch a year, it's going to be the Super Bowl. And consistently, I said this on the the pre-show podcast, it's going... Great shit, great shit. So we were on a shit Super Bowl year, so just know next year is going to be absolutely fantastic. I am looking forward to it. I've had a long time with no NFL now. I'm, I'm back watching regular season NBA, which is pretty much killing me. Also, we had a UFC card at the weekend. Marty Fake Newsman retained his belt. I thought Gilbert Burns was the best chance we had of, of ending Usman's dominance. I don't see I don't see who he loses to. The guy's utterly dominant. Burns rocked him. But it was still so clean. He's such a, a consummate professional. And yes he is blood doping. That last bit is unconfirmed and it, the last bit is is an allegedly. It's an allegedly that he is blood doping. Allegedly he is blood doping. Mad that seemingly I don't know how no one has made the connection that all of the Ali Abdelaziz fighters have seemingly endless cardio and all the rest of it. They all fight the same way. It's almost as if there's something very suspicious about that camp. Allegedly, of course. Uh, Other fights in the card. We saw Macy Barber, youngest UFC champion in UFC history. Macy Barber, once again, fight like ass. Kelvin Gastelum showed off. I don't know the sort of legendary Mexican cardio you expect from a man who peddles himself as legendary Mexican cardio but could never make welterweight because he couldn't eat lettuce. But he looked really good. I'd like to see him consistently fight this year and consistently fight at the level we know he can fight at. Because so far, all he's done since the Israel Adesanya fight is discount Izzy's win by fighting like ass. So yeah, hopefully we see a good Gastelum this year. I don't know where that division goes. Middleweight. I don't know where Welter goes either. Apparently, Straight Jesus is going to fight Usman again. I I don't know if he'll be able to, to get a ready-made excuse in this time. But at the same time, it is Jorge Masvidal, so he will manage it. Usman's just levels. Like, levels and levels and levels above him. They're, they're, honestly, I'm not sure they fight in the same sport. Because Masvidal will not be able to contend with Usman for 
for a full five. Although if if Masvidal's the one to end the Usman dominance, I'm not sure I want that to happen. Because as much as Usman can be boring, and he can be point scoring, he's also had two great, really, really entertaining defences. Like the Covington fight's a phenomenal, phenomenal fight. And he showed up in a major way against Burns. So I'm not I'm not overly upset about seeing Usman retain his championship belt. I just hate that Ali Abdelaziz is being allowed to to carry on a very nefarious camp in private. Okay. Manchester United. What what even is there to say at this point? Like Harry Maguire. Yeah. Harry Maguire. And his partner, the Iceman, Victor Lindelof. Who has been consistently dominated in the air for three seasons now. Apart, he had one 12-game spree where his aerial duels were very high up. He started to really turn it around and then he was just back to normal again. Absolutely fucking owned in the air. I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with this club. After a 1-1 with West Brom, in which Fernandez scored an absolute screamer to equalise, fans only blamed Bruno, from what I saw. Like, if you were on Twitter, people were talking about how fraudulent Bruno Fernandez was because of all his goal contributions. Huh? Don't get me wrong, I know stats lie. Like, I know when Raheem Sterling was having those ridiculous goal-scoring seasons... It was because he was playing in an absolutely ludicrous team and scoring from four yards out. Bruno Fernandez's last two goals have been absolutely magnificent. And he's also the only one doing anything. Like his percentage of United's goals or his percentage of United's goal contributions or goals that he's involved in is off the charts. But people are talking as if, oh no. His contributions are fraudulent. He's the only one doing anything. Like, it's not as if we're winning every week 6-0. He's getting a goal and assist from midfield. And it looks as if he's... Like, the stats make him out to be this absolutely magnificent midfielder. He's the only one who's doing anything. Well, him and Ballon d'Or winner Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw, man, he's absolutely fantastic. I feel so bad for him being the worst back four of all time. People still... I saw a tier list from a United fan today on Twitter. I I will actually, I will make this tier list and put it on Instagram because I'll actually get it right. Okay. So, you know this tier list is fucked. When the top, the top tier is just called Pogba. Oh, I'm angry. I'm so very angry. This is the sort of thing I won't be. I won't be. I won't be able. To, I won't be able to do, uh, past past tomorrow because, you know that that would that would constitute being a ragey wagey and I'm not allowed to be a ragey wagey. I'm off it for Lent. Uh, Pogba. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Unbelievable, Paul Pogba, who's played maybe six games in the last four years for the club. Yeah, he's 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 a great player. He's world class. Team really suffers without him. I also saw someone say, "Oh, was that fucking old cunt?" Off the United side, Rick the Red. Oh. The two games we've won in the last six are the games Bruno hasn't played. 
Hmm. It's almost as if there's a correlation to the fact that all he knows he can't win any game against reasonable opposition without playing Bruno Fernandes. So, yes, I know. We blundered Everton. Wasn't exactly Bruno's fault. I mean, he was the best player on the pitch by a fucking country mile. Wasn't exactly his fault. Wasn't his fault that his goalkeeper's arse and his centre-backs are the worst players in the league. Then, West Brom. Yeah, I get it. I get his ball retention was shit and he lost the ball. But at the same time, who else in that team is actually going to take risks? Do you, instead of Bruno attempting the passes to break up on the team, do you want Scott McTominay to do it? Do you want Fred? Do you want Aaron Wan-Bissaka? Clowns. Clowns the whole fucking lot of them. Okay, so... Pogba. Top tier. In a tier of his own called Pogba. Phenomenal. Great start. I can't wait till he goes. I can't wait till Pogba just fucks off. On all these top reds and in inverted commas on Twitter. Can just fuck up and find someone else to rim lick for fucking getting a new haircut every week and playing like absolute dog shit for most of his United career. Then, in the great tier, Marcus Rashford, Anthony Martial, and Aaron Wan Bissaka. Have people in the gym, like, is glue that readily available to people that they're just huffing it before they go on Twitter to have football opinions? Rashford's fucking useless. Martial has been the worst player at the club this season. And I'm not certain Aaron Ramasaka has a brain. Then, the first player that is good tier, and I'm, I'm taking it as if, if it's set up as a tier... Your first player in the good tier is the best player in that tier. First player was Eric Bay. I can get behind that. You know I'm a big Eric Bay guy. Second was Harry Maguire. Huh? Huh? My greatest point against Harry Maguire is that Leicester sold him for £80 million and in the two seasons subsequently have signed two better centre-halves. Kaglar Siunku and Wesley Fofana both walk into our team over Harry Maguire. It's not close. They are infinitely better central defenders than Harry Maguire. Infinitely. Then, at the very end of his good tier, was Mason Greenwood, who is the club's best prospect. I thought that was bad, but you're thinking... There's a name missing here. I haven't heard the name Bruno Fernandes yet. Because at the very bottom of the tier list, Bruno Fernandes was also in a tier of his own called False Image. Yes, there you know that it's fucking False Image. Because you, you can make up goals and assists. You can make them up. You can make up the fact that he also covers more ground than fucking Paul Pogba does in two games in one half. I know he will have games where he gives the ball away a heap. And it's, it's not fun to watch as a United fan. He also did bail us out in a major way. I thought he was shit. Really, really awful against Sheffield United. 
But at the same time, so was everybody else. And you must take into account that I have just brought him back into my fantasy Premier League team. So he's not going to be performing at a high level. Because I am cursed. In the same way, if I take Kane out of my fantasy Premier League team, that free kick that hits the post, that goes in. In the same way, Timo Werner's now back to being the elite striker we all knew he could be. Because he's out of my fantasy Premier League team. Ah, uh, I, I hate it. I hate, I hate everything about this club. And fantasy Premier League. I'm also out of a last man standing. Because I took Everton to beat Fulham. Thinking it'd be, it would be funny if I took the toffees on Valentine's Day. Is it any fucking wonder I'm single and alone? Speaking, speaking of fucking Valentine's Day. Does every woman on this planet realise they're dating approximately four numbers out of ten lower than them? There are a few exceptions, obviously. There are a few exceptions to every room. And that exception is any one of my mates. You're all sig- you're all significantly better looking than your partners. You're all a great bunch of lads. But I see all these absolute smoke show women on Instagram dating fellas that look like they'd be living in a cave. Doesn't make any fucking sense. It gets me really riled up. I- also, all these people that I've seen on Instagram over the last six months that were single but come Valentine's Day are in a couple where you find these people where you find these people in a global lockdown that's my question that's my question how when you've been sat in the house scratching your barnacles or your lady barnacles have you managed to find the love of your life that you're posting with about on fucking Instagram on Valentine's Day how does that come about that's my question. Schmucks. The whole fucking laddies. Schmucks. Okay, that's that's my coverage of Manchester United. Completely done. Uh, I will not be talking about Manchester United Football Club in the upcoming 40 days. Because even if we win six games in a row, I'll still, re- I'll still be rage about it. Just, it's, it's what the club does to me. Let's get into friend of the show topics. And one of these is an absolute cert to get me very angry. So I'm, I'm glad I'm covering it today. Okay. The first friend of the show topic comes from Harry Moss. So I was on Call of Duty the other night with Harry Moss, an anime BTC owner. I don't know who either of them are in real life, but... They seem like nice guys. And Harry Moss asked the question that honestly has not only been on my, in my thoughts, but every Manchester United fan's thoughts for the best part of a year and a half now. And that question was, how many packets of Doritos did Daniel James have to buy to win the competition to get into the Manchester United squad? And I'm going to say it's about 6,000. Because not only is that the amount that his contract should be worth. I imagine he'd have to win the, the competition four or five times. For us to actually just let him have the spot. He's honking. He's fucking useless. As some would say he's trunks. But. At the same time. He's such a smiley lovely wee guy. That you just can't help but feel sorry for him. You're like. Ugh. 
when we're win when we're win loads, you're like, oh, bring Daniel James on, will you? Let him let him get in the action. Like when we beat Southampton, I was like, oh come on, bring bring me Danny James on, like get him a, get him a bit of time in the game. Let's see let's see what he can't do. Uh, the answer, of course, being everything. But it's it's nice it's nice to just have him come on and just piss about a wee bit, and you know maybe maybe get a goal contribution every once every eight months. It's fun. But he definitely won a competition. Like, there's no way our scouting department, who decided Deo up a Meccano, wasn't, wasn't part of the process, but Harry Maguire was. No way that spot, scouting department went, are we Danny James? Who had, what, three goals, six assists, in a full championship season for Swansea? Oh, he's for us. Oh, he's for us, alright. He's our next gigsy. To be fair, probably has more goals and assists for Manchester United than Ryan Giggs. On a go- on a goals per game basis, that is. Ah, <sighs> yeah, Dan James, like Dan James, Facundo Palestri. Thankfully, Amadiallo is going to be the goat because. Can we please just get a right winger so we can play Mason Greenwood up front and stop making me want to fucking end my existence? That'd be great. But yes, the tentative answer, the tentative answer is about six thousand, Mister Moss. Uh, thank you for your contribution. Then, the second topic comes from the greatest drinker in Belfast history. This is the man that, if the aliens ever invade, and there's a pint of lager sitting there, and they say. One of you earthlings, get that down you in four seconds. This is the man I'd be going to. That man is Techno Tyler. And Techno Tyler's question is... That's a beautiful, beautiful topic. Belfast night out scene. And your best night out stories. (coughs) This could be a full podcast. In fact, I think I will do a full podcast at some stage. Uh, Potentially with Mr. Tyler. We'll just get on and lament about where's good to drink in Belfast and our best stories I'll tell obviously there's been there's been some fucking phenomenal nights over the years the Mona Bypass story jeepers it's, it's, it's been a crazy crazy life the best place to drink in Belfast it's 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 probably the National spoof fuck the National I ever See, see if once this all comes to a head, Corona's finished. We're all, we're all ready. We're all vaccinated up, and the first big night out's happening, and someone says, "Oh, head down to the national for half 11. I ain't gonna fucking stab them. I, I don't care if I've just been locked locked in the house for two years. I'll do twelve more in McGabry if someone even fucking thinks to suggest a fucking national." Christ Almighty! Ah, uh, it's Lavery's drinking complex, and it ain't close. As many times as I've been fucked out of that place, you just can't you can't help but going back for more. Just seeing random blokes who you've you've spent a few years with in school, and they go, "Huck, crack with you now," and you go, oh, "Not much," and they go, "Ah, here you're doing comedy now," and you go, "Why, fun times." Fun times at the OK Corral. 
and that's essentially it. You're out in the smoking area. You're just sitting there, chillaxing. You have a double vodka black current for downing, and you have a double vodka black current for sipping. It's a beautiful life. Dave McCann's getting the rounds in. It's half one. Everyone else has stopped drinking. Dave McCann comes back, just hands you a double. You're like, probably shouldn't drink this, but you fucking hammer it in the anyway. Guinness out of a plastic cup. It's actually a nice spot to just go watch the match too. Like as much as it's a, it's a versatile spot as the Lavery's drinking complex, which is why as much as me and me and Carlos Large have tried to get fucked out of it a million times, and have have been very successful. Don't get me wrong, I've been I've been booted out of that place more times than I care to think about. But it it's still just it keeps you coming back for more. It's a it's a magic spot, and I, I'm very fond of it, and I can't wait to get back drinking it. As for my best night out story, oh, there's been a lot of good night out stories, like the night of the flaming Ben Hazelton shoe. Any Halloween was always great. I think my favourite night out story, it ended up not being too chaotic, but it, it's the one that, that felt most, uh, it felt most sort of like a movie. So, me, so me, uh, Ding, slash horse, slash fat kid in a Liverpool top, regular listener Liam O'Connor, and sports denier Tom Muscali, uh, were all in Weatherspoons in Belfast, and we're just sitting there, we're, we're having a, we're having a decent night, we're on the pints. And we're all talking about how shite a Friday night is in Belfast. And to be fair, it is honking. Ever since the old union was destroyed, after I was banned for the 15th time, it did become a bad wee spot. So, as a passing joke, Dylan goes, I fuck it, sure I could be in Dublin. And immediately, I latch on to this. Because A, Dublin's always a great night out. B, Dublin has live dinner casinos. And I was, I was hankering for a bit of gambling that night. So, I go, fuck it, let's go. And everyone goes, ah yeah, yeah, funny one. And I go, no, let's go. So, another picture of woo-woo's arrived. It gets finished at an absolute rapid pace. And by about three quarters of the way into the woo-woo, it's decided the air coach is booked. We're going to Dublin. I don't have a driver's license because I don't drive. I get everywhere by par of my foot. So I'm like, fuck it. I've got to get home, get my passport. I rush around to Granny's, which is around the corner, which is in a general vicinity. The bridge house, I'm not telling you exactly where. Too many crazed fans would show up. But then I go round, my Uncle John's around there. I'm like, Mon Uncle, would you give us a, a lift up the road? He's like, Aye, what are you going up the road for? I'm like, I just need my passport. I'm going out. He goes, Oh, where? I'm like, Ah, oh, it's just a new spot opened up. Uh, just looking to check it out. Because my mom was in the room. And, and then we get out to the car. I go, Fuck it, I'm going to Dublin. 
he goes, oh fuck, what are you, what are you heading down to Dublin for? He's, he's having something planned. I go, well fuck all planned. There's, there's nothing on the agenda. We're just going to Dublin and we're getting it fucking seen to. So, all this is happening. I go up, get my passport. I make it down with maybe six minutes left for the air coach. There's half bottles of Captain Morgan's and half bottles of assorted vodkas being poured into pretty much five, like essentially there were 500 milliliters of assorted soft drinks that were just getting 500 milliliters of hard liquor poured into them and we're getting those bit into us on the bus uh, we're texting boys we know in Dublin saying listen the Belfast boys are rolling in this is this is going to get hefty Ding then realises he, ha- he hasn't told his girlfriend he's going to Dublin so he gets an absolute ear bashing off that but that's also I believe the last action he carries out on his phone Liam also is saying, lads, phone's looking ropes here. So we're all, we're all agreed we have to stay together as a unit because that's the only way we're going to survive Dublin. So we arrive. We're all fairly boozed. Like the half bottles, they, got, they were got in too awful quick. Plus there was already a, a, a pretty significant drinking session done in the Weatherspoons. But we're like, fuck it, need to get more pints. We're all gripping euros out of the ATM and stuff. And we'll meet up with Wab and a man who refuses to have an online presence. So I'm going to call him John Smith. So then me, Wab, John Smith and the Belfast boys are all walking along. Ding and Liam start having this randy argument. I can't remember what the argument was about. But they're tailed off about 15 feet behind us. And we're walking through this busy street, and we're going to we're looking to see where we're, where we're going to get a pint. And we just turn round at one stage. Ding and Liam aren't there. And as we've already established, nobody has a phone. So we're like, "Oh fuck!" We knew roughly where we like we'd said there was a bar we were planning to go to, which Ding and Liam maintained to this day that they went to. But if they had it gone, they would have seen us out the back drinking racist out. So they never arrive. The whole time, everyone's like, no, we need to find Ding and Liam. I'm like, we need to find A, a blackjack table, and B, a significant amount of chips to put on said blackjack table. So they're all complaining, oh, we need to find our friends, we need to find our friends. I've said, oh, I think Ding said something about being in and around this area of Dublin, knowing fine rightly that where I wanted to be around was the Sporting Emporium, which was uh, a casino in the centre of Dublin. So I have coerced the boys over to that side of town, knowing that John Smith, like myself, very, very vehement gambler. So we get in to the casino. We all sign up. I am completely off the idea of playing blackjack at that point because I can't think straight I know in my head my head's not right so I sit <laughs> I sit down to a roulette table with a stag do from Amsterdam and immediately start talking like Louis van Hal to try and get them on board so all these lads are like this is this guy he's a great guy uh, we are going to we are going to party with him for a very long time 
So I'm like, fuck it, sweet lads, we're, we're getting into it. They're plying me with drinks. Like, I, for a start, it's free drinks in the casino. And they're a stag do, so they're, they're putting down significant amounts of money on the table. The guy's playing with like 25k back, playing roulette. Putting like something like a K, a K, a colour, and like 200 quid on numbers. Just in Dublin on a Randy Friday night. So... I'm betting away. I'm following this guy. He's on a heater. I I really I ended up not betting that much because I knew my head my head wasn't right. So I'm up to like I think I went in with like sixty. I'm up at like three forty at this stage. And I know in my head I'm like this is the max you're gonna get before things start going awry. So I'm just gonna sit there with the Dutch boys, have a few more drinks. But as it turns out. Sports denier Thomas Skelly is playing blackjack, and he's fucking he's fucking beckoning me over. He's got quite the he's got quite the rapport going on with the dealer. I'm like, fuck it, I'll play a few hands. Long story short, I sat down beside Tom for I I want to say six minutes, uh, and somehow wiped out the full three hundred forty quid. It was it was impressive to say the least. I don't know how I don't know what I was playing per hand. Like I legitimately have no clue what I was playing per hand. Also, if Muskelly was at the blackjack table at the other side, I would have got out my cash. Handy enough. It's just because he was on his he was on his way to the chip station or to the chip changing station. That's hard to say. But yeah, he was on he was on the way. He was on the route to there. I never stood a chance. So it's me, him, and John Smith at the table. They both end up up like fucking 60 or 70 percent and i wipe out brutal and we're thinking oh fuck it has been it has been some night all the same this is maybe half five in the morning at this point like the sun is gonna come up so me and miskelly are like fuck it we do have to get back to belfast the city's waiting on us so we head off towards the bus station and all I hear is the sound of a significant whitey on the corner of the bus station and when I you know what I mean it's it's a significant whitey it's a it's a a big whitey I round the corner I see hunched over a man that could only be described as ding horse or a fat kid in a Liverpool top who, I don't know if this is my actual memory of the event, or I've thought of it over the years, to make it seem even more epic. But in my head, they were covered head to toe in UV paint. We somehow managed to go through two completely different nights out in Dublin, with no contact with each other, and end up at the same bus stop at the same time, with no plans to do so. Like, originally, we were, we were going to stay with John Smith. We were like, fuck it, we just got to get home, because we were kind of worried... That Liam and Ding were dead. So. There they were at the bus stop. We get the bus home. There's a sausage bap in the cards. It was a beautiful night. One one of those nights that you just. There was nothing. Nothing particularly mental about it. Like no one died. There was no Project X type shit. And I've had those sort of nights. Where things everything just goes wrong. But those nights were. A few things go wrong, but then in the end, everything comes together perfectly. They just always, 
the sit nicely like so Tyler that is the story I will tell for this particular set of night out stories but I would like you on the podcast at some stage where we just go over the various fucking mishaps that we've had over the years hopefully all of them outside of the statute of limitations and finally back to sports for our final friend of the show topic and this is going to be very a very quick topic our American sports correspondent Harry Cleary said thoughts on Kyle Kuzman being a good role player my honest thoughts he isn't a good role player and I don't have any apart from that thank you very much for your topic Harry you're a consistent great contributor but that's the sort of thing that me trying to get off rage it's not going to be helped by Kyle Kuzma praise so let's just stay away from that topic altogether and uh, have, a, have a nice time and finally we've got a friend of the show friend of me well but also we've got a real frenemies thing going on at the minute probably bar for bar the two best rappers that the north of Ireland has ever produced uh, that's rapper Lewis Dell coming for me again I'm gonna. To be fair, Lewis Dell has has an easy out here. It's taken me a long time to respond, but it also took me about fifteen weeks to work out these bars. So, Lewis Dell sent me this on the twenty third of January, I believe. Yeah. So on the twenty third of January, about a month after I released my Christmas song, uh, which may have rather crudely. Uh, insinuated that I was going to uh, spaff on his, on his mother's uh, ribcage so yes he had every right to come at me uh, but completely unprovoked before a lovely podcast about bouts and fighting seasons was being recorded Lewis sent me this call yourself the blitz but I'm too busy eating at the ritz if I hit you all you taste is grits consider this your french kiss You've got nothing on me, so you go for my sis. But she too busy staying in Big 6-6. Six, six. Everyone know I'm the best thing since One Direction. Making your skin itch like a skin infection. We don't want to hear your podcast, my homie. I'll feed you like I'm some type of barber. I've got more pressure in my palms than Arthur. And I don't know what you're thinking. Bars. But not a lot of it makes a lot of sense. It took me about 15 weeks to work out that that Arthur bar is referencing that one meme. Of Arthur with a clenched fist. It's a very niche reference. But. You know. You come at the king. You best not miss. So Lewis Dell. Here we go. I'm kidding. Obviously. A. Lewis is one of my best friends in the world. I love him like a brother. I'm not going to randomly send a diss track to him. On a fucking. Tuesday evening. Especially Pancake Tuesday of all days. B. I, I couldn't have any beef this significant near Ash Wednesday. It's a fast day for God's sake. And C. I've got like I'm no rapper like. I'm less Benny the Butcher more Gary the Greengrocer. Uh, so that's for, for those combined reasons. I'm obviously not going to send a diss to Lewis on a friggin' sports with. What, what the hell is that? Oh no. Oh no. It's, it's, it's a, oh no, we're in trouble. It's a grimy side instrumental. Oh no. 
Lewis, I'm... I'm really sorry in advance, but... I, th I think you know what I've got to do. I'm really sorry, brother. You got one thing right, homie, yeah, they call me the Blitz. I stay killing Sharon's son, the little mama's boy, bitch. You really fucking up trying to battle with me. Cause your lyrics, they're like your loadouts, they RPG. He made up that I'm anti-mask. Damn, son, if that's the way to stop me getting buckets, it's an and one. Cause this the same man that gave more people COVID than a tasty bat in Wuhan You'll think about this one when he's crashing the cars I'll get into your sister with some cereal bars You hit me first, sorry to kill you bro But once I nut and honey, I'm saying cheerio Expect cocoa bars when you come for the goat Cause like coke, I leave the white at the back of her throat So Sharon son, you better get your bars up Hater, she eating cereal dry, she gonna milk me later You got 40 days and 40 nights to really go to hell with it Don't be using no big words If you can't spell with it Use that time wisely Make it well spent Cause I'll be coming right back For your neck after Lent yeah. Bars I have no idea what just happened I'm honestly a bit scared uh, And I feel I might have to go seek some sort of psychiatric help because I went from a, a very peaceful man who is uh, committed to a new life of not being angry and uh, being a nice bloke all of Lent uh, to to my old very angry self uh, via via the medium of a of a a hip hop verse and a New York accent. I I, I can only apologise to my friend Lewis. Cheaper uh, stop us. That was like an out-of-body experience. Uh, I've been Yan Commieballs. Have a good evening. Uh, safe home. Uh, good night. <laughs>